I love all his albums, uh, mm-hmm. but I think the album that I really, really connected with um, was Darkness on the Edge of Town. Like for me, that was a massive connection. And I, and when I was uh, probably like late teens, early twenties, a lot of my friends um, got into trouble or died quite young. There's a lot of poverty that mm-hmm. I saw going on around me. I was a journalist for some time and I saw some pretty gnarly stuff and I worked in prison for a while and I saw a lot of things and um, I was like oh this is so painful like do you know what I mean like, I'm seeing some really hardcore stuff and when I listened to that album there was a real sense of hope in that album but also like the American dream and the idea of like talking about what the average person might go through in their life and where they would go to find freedom and what that meant. It just, I I just felt like someone was kind of hearing how I felt and like singing about it. And I was like, oh my God, like this guy is talking about um, where I've grown up and the things that I've seen, like he feels it. I was like, he feels it. And I just really connected with him from that moment on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and I have a timey-wimey episode, um, Shades of Doctor Who, where it is my morning, my guest afternoon, all the way from the UK, Sophia Sparm is joining me. Sophia, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Oh yes. Uh, so uh, we've uh, we got delayed, uh, and so I you've been very kind to be flexible in your time. So I thank you so much for that. Uh, tell my audience a little about yourself. Um, okay, so I live. I think everyone who's not from the UK thinks that we all live in London. Uh, yes, but sadly I don't. Yes. I live in the Midlands, um, which is like the middle of the UK basically the middle of the country does what it says on the tin um I am a full-time poet that's my job and then in my spare time um I am in a Bruce Springsteen tribute band uh called the DE Street Band and yeah I'd be Bruce Springsteen uh for fun which is very good and what else I don't know um I live in the countryside Yes, I ride the motorbike, um, and in the very traditional English way, I, I do really love tea. So I feel like I do fulfil that stereotype. Uh, very nice. That's good. Uh, I, I though now that anytime I think of tea, I, I think of Ted Lasso and his you know very American like doing that. Uh, yes. So we got connected. Someone suggested that I reach out to you. Uh, because of your involvement with Bruce. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about your poetry. I'm excited to talk about your fandom. But we always like to start at the beginning. So talk to me, where did you grow up? And what kind of music did your family listen to? So I grew up in Derbyshire, which is a county in the UK. Um, my family are not what's the word they're not massive music fans they're more the sort of people that they put the radio on and what was on the radio they listened to sure however my dad did grow up uh listening to Bruce Springsteen and I think he found a best of Bruce Springsteen CD um in the supermarket and put it on in the car and we had that on a lot and we had Eric Clapton on and uh Shania Twain was a big one in the in the house um, and the Eagles and things like that, really. Um, so at first, I think I just wasn't, 
I was just like, oh, what is this music? It's my parents' music sort of thing. But um, as I got a bit older, I, I really grew grew to love it. So, yeah. And then I definitely went more down the music fandom route than my parents. Like, I got very obsessed with music from a young age. But I kind of started, I was listening to metal and punk and going to punk gigs. And then I got a bit older and got into hip hop and obviously poetry and I'll listen to anything I'll listen to anything um but yeah then I came back to to all my parents music and it's great as you started reaching your teenage years you mentioned a little bit you explored a lot of different genres right you went through a lot of different music when talk to me a little about that what were you liking as a teenager and as you went through you know secondary school and even university um, so when I was a teenager, probably one of my favourite bands in the world was a band called My Chemical Romance. Okay. Um, who are, I think they're from the same kind, I, I think they're from New Jersey as well. Um, I think so too, yeah. But yeah, so that was like a big band for me. Um, but things like that really, so them, things like Green Day, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, going a bit older like things like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and then it just got heavier and heavier so then it got into things like Napalm Death and really like metally stuff basically um and I loved punk as well um was really into punk and I suppose when I got to university it was more I guess more the punk thing and more the heavier the metal I could find, the happier I was. And I got into bands like uh, L7 and really loved grunge. So things like Soundgarden and Tad and like that whole Seattle scene, was super into that. Um, yeah, a lot of things basically, <laughs> like was also really into Bob Dylan and stuff like that. As when you rediscovered Bruce as, you know, kind of, not as your parents' music, but as your own. What about him spoke, what about his music spoke to you? So I I think I'm really, really listened to lyrics. Um, I'm really into lyrics as well as music because that's my currency, words are my currency. Um, and what really spoke to me is that even though I was a woman in the UK and he was an American male. Um, a lot of the things that he spoke about, like the American dream, um, being working class, trying to find your way in the world, just talking about everyday life and everyday people and making that really special and fantastical. And I think... Um, the thing that I mean I love all his albums uh, mm -hmm. but I think the album that I really really connected with um, was Darkness on the Edge of Town like for me that was a massive connection and I and when I was uh, probably like late teens early 20s a lot of my friends um, got into trouble or died quite young there's a lot of poverty that I mm -hmm. saw going on around me. I was a journalist for some time and I saw some pretty gnarly stuff and I worked in prison for a while and mm. so I, I saw a lot of things and um, I was like, oh, this is so painful. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm seeing some really hardcore stuff. And when I listened to that album, there was a real sense of hope in that album, but also like the American dream and the idea of like talking about what the average person might go through in their life and where they would go to find freedom and what that meant. It just, I, I just felt like someone um, was kind of hearing how I felt and like singing about it. And I was like, oh my God, like this guy is talking about um, where I've grown up and the things that I've seen, like, he feels it. I was like, he feels it. And I just really connected with him from that moment on. Sophia, do you, do you think that is why he has 
such a diverse fan base across the world. And, and I know this sounds like a cliche, but the, the universal theme of I don't belong, I, I, I don't fit in, I, I'm, I'm in this, you know, I don't like my clothes, my face, you know, I did, you know, I'm not feeling nothing, you know, on dancing in the dark, right? Do you, do you think that's one of the reasons why there is such an appeal for his music? I think so. And I think because I just think because what he writes about, like, like you say, the idea of trying to find your place in the world, but, you know, but I think also just because he writes about the everyday. Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like he's not writing about some crazy sci-fi going out, whatever story he's writing about like real things and places and people and talks about a lot of themes like struggling for money or struggling in your community or you know trying to make a a long marriage work and it's not working or trying to work out what relationship is or you know a lot of like the born to run stuff is like coming of age stuff so like you know trying to figure out who you are and identity and and what that means and I, I think yeah a lot of people can can relate to that do, do well, have you always wanted to write poetry? Like, is there, is that always that muse been in you? And do you think that is part of another reason why, because his lyrics fed that part of you that, that wanted to put your own voice out there, your own thoughts? Writing poetry has been something that I've, um, writing in general has been something that I've it's not like a want it's like a need it's just like something that I've always done you know like I mean I do want to do it but I just feel like it's just something that I've always done from a young age up until now and I don't ever remember a time that I wasn't writing um, obviously when I was a kid it was not a professional thing um, but yeah I feel like he has been of massive in influence on my work so my latest collection that I brought out last year um he was one of the main influences basically and and it was him and Tom Waits that were like massive massive influences on that collection and and yeah I, I find his lyricism absolutely breathtaking and something that I think uh, what writing does is I think that writing can, you can look at the everyday thing from just a slightly different angle. And I think that's what good writing does. It's like looking at something that's so like, um, I don't know, it could be someone buying some chips from a shop or it could be like uh, just walking down a park and seeing something in a hedgerow or whatever, but it's just having that, same thing that everyone else sees but just that slightly different angle on it and I think that's what he does so well and I think that's what writing in general does well. Sophie, uh, one of my good friends uh, named Tom Zoller talked about that he always knew that he wanted to be an artist just from the moment he picked up that first crayon that was all he never that's that was all he wanted to be and all he planned to be. Um, he and, you know, there was never this thought of, you know, well, go get a degree in something else to be safe. It was it was knew what he wanted to do. Uh, is is that similar to you? And why poetry instead of prose? Um, well, it, sorry, go on. No. So, um, OK, good question. I always know I wanted to write. Originally, I wanted to write novels that was my thing I still want to write novels but I'm on my fifth attempt now and I'll keep okay. going I'll keep Good. going <laughs> but basically like um I always wrote like lyrics or whatever as a kid I didn't really mm-hmm. understand poetry or realize that it, it was poetry yeah um and yeah so but I was I was really dyslexic at school and I was in like a special spelling class and um, but they didn't realize I was dyslexic. They just thought I was 
not picking up how to right. write. Um, so they were like, I was like, I want to write stories and stuff. And they were like, oh, we don't think you should do that. But something else that I really liked doing was radio. I always volunteered at a radio station when I was a teenager. Um, I've got lots of radio experience. And so my parents was like, well, you know, you definitely like you're probably better off doing media at, at university than you would be doing um, writing and stuff. So I went and did media. I ended up leaving university and I worked at Brixton Prison in London, which has got a radio station in the prison. Oh, so worked, yeah. So I worked at the radio station there and made radio shows with the prisoners. And then I became a journalist for a couple of different papers and then um I just because I'd seen so much stuff it kind of made me realize how short life is do you know what I mean and so sure. I, I was like okay so I need to write now because I will never do it um poetry was an accident it it wasn't something I was intending to do I was writing prose and I was writing poetry and I went to a night in Birmingham um, and I read a section of this book that I'd written. And then at the end, um, I read a poem. There were some riots in America. I can't remember which riots, which is awful. but I, Which I is sad to say, but yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yes. yeah and it, it broke my heart. And I remember watching it on the news and I wrote something like a poem. And I read that at the end and I just, I didn't really think anything of it, but I felt, I felt it so much in me and I wrote it. And then um, there was this guy there and he was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, your poem. I was like, oh, I'm not really a poet. And he was like, well, why don't you come to this, um, you know, open mic or whatever so then I gradually just started going to open mics as a journalist. And then when I decided to take the leap, I thought, right, this is what I'm going to do. Like that, that was the stuff that ended up getting picked up. And that's what I've ended up making my career out of, basically, which is not what I expected at all. I just had too many feelings that needed to go somewhere, basically. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird, uh, bit of a weird way to come to it. Oh, that's, that's lovely though. That's really lovely. You mentioned, um, you have, what's, what's your latest, uh, release? <laughs> it's very silly. It's called the man who ate 50,000 Weetabix. Um, <laughs> the, poems are, <laughs> the poems are quite serious, but I do like, I'm a massive fan of, um, I think poems can be really serious, but I think they can also be really playful and I'm a massive fan of uh, pop culture in poetry and just silly references in poetry. So, yeah, so that was uh, that was my title after my dad, because my dad reckons he's eaten 50,000 Weetabix. That was his calculation. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's great. Um, so. As you've kind of gone through your I always like to preface this, Sophia, that the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Um, there are people who have never seen him live. There have been people who are lucky enough to live in the East coast that found him early that have seen him hundreds of times. Uh, for the record, do you count how often you've seen him if you have seen him? And if so, how many? Well, I have seen Bruce Springsteen a total of one time. Okay. And I'm very sad about that. I'd like that to be more. Um, yes. But I am in my late 20s. So a lot of the tours yeah. I would have missed, <laughs> sadly. Um, but I saw him at the Isle of Wight Festival, um, which was, I want to say 2011. Okay. It, it might have been 2010. I'm not sure. But I saw him then. The lineup was amazing. It was like my dream lineup. It was um Tom Petty on the Friday, Pearl Jam on the Saturday, and then Bruce Springsteen on the Sunday. It was amazing. Feeling he, pretty good. That's pretty oh, good. Yeah. So good. It was so good. Because I'm a massive Tom Petty and Pearl Jam fan as well. So I was like, yeah. Bruce is Bruce is my my top. But like yes. those guys are awesome. Yeah. But yeah, 
and he was amazing like he was amazing and I was like I went to the festival on my own to work as a journalist um mm-hmm. and I was like I don't care like I've come because Bruce Springsteen's here like that's why I'm here and uh I met this 17 year old who was working and he was like I don't know who Bruce Springsteen is blah 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 and I was like okay well you're gonna come with me because if you don't see Bruce Springsteen, you believe me, you will definitely regret it. And he was like, <laughs> kind of like unconvinced. Yeah, like, but sure, I, sure. But I persuaded him to go. And afterwards, he was like, that was amazing. I was like, yes, it was. I think it was, um, I think it was around about the time the Wrecking Ball album came out. That right. was the vibe. It was great. Oh my God, I had the best time. And the man is just like a massive, ball of energy I mean I'm not like I'm I'm not a huge fan of um watching like live videos and stuff I love going to gigs right but I'm not, but I'm not super into um you know when you watch like recordings of people performing right. I'd rather just be at the gig but sure. he is like the one exception that like I'm like oh I want to see this tour and I want to see yeah. this performance from this just because he's just amazing. He's like the happiest man on the stage. So talk to me, how did you end up being in a tribute band? Let's talk about your music journey. So um, you, you've talked about writing poetry and, you know, and, and I realized to the, the lot of us, we think of, um, Oh yeah, poetry, song lyrics without the music, right? Which is not necessarily always true. But talk to me about your musical journey. What what did you when did you decide you wanted to be part of making music and how did you end up in a tribute band? Well, I've always hung around musicians. That's like my scene, you know. I, I love it. My ex-partner is a musician and we were together for a long time so I always had access to lots of uh, musicians around me and um, basically the there's a women's centre in Derby and that it was going to close down so I was like I want to raise some money for this women's centre like what can I do what can I do so I thought hmm what's what's a really masculine thing that I can make kind of feminine and, and do something with so I thought of Bruce Springsteen and I was like yes I'm gonna be Bruce Springsteen I'm gonna get a band together um let's do it like we'll put on one gig that'll be it it'll be all women um I mean we didn't we ended up getting half and half in the end which was totally cool um but I was like yeah there'll be females like musicians like I'll sing um it'll be great so I recruited everyone and then I realized um that I I never sang in my life I was like hmm, okay this is the problem I don't know how to sing so I went to my luckily one of my closest friends um is a singing teacher and her partner is a wedding singer so I was like oh cool so she gave me singing lessons like she wasn't that close to me at the time but since this whole thing we've become like really close friends and I, I I turned up to her lesson and she went what do you want to do I said okay I've got these Bruce Springsteen songs I've got 10 months I need you to teach me how to sing and sing with a band and then we're going to perform this uh, gig and she was like okay let's do it and uh that was the journey I went singing lessons every week I practiced every day I we rehearsed as a band uh and it was great we raised about a thousand pounds for the women's center it was really good gig and after it we were like oh my god that was so much fun that we had such a good time um let's do more gigs and like the people in the band are all professional musicians like they're all I'm probably like the least experienced out of everyone but i I, I know I, I organize things basically and I can do that so yeah it's it's been great like it's just been so much fun everyone loves playing together like we just have so much fun I, I really like to think of us as like a party band like bringing the bringing the hype you know like 
and trying to bring as much energy like I, I like it to be really high energy really fun um yeah you know we've got a cardboard cut out of Bruce that we bring and <laughs> like, oh how funny yeah leave it at each gig like and you know people get drunk and dance with it and it's great but I want my whole thing is like I want to bring joy like I think joy is a wonderful thing and I think it's so lovely to perform in a band singing songs that you love and just spreading joy like it's great how do you pick what well you talked about you know you went to your friend who's the music coach and said okay here's the 10 gig songs teach me to sing right teach me how to play and and as you guys have continued how do you pick your set list what what songs do you decide yeah we want to play these are there songs you go i have to we have to play these talk to me a little bit about that musical selection Oh, there's there's so many songs that we've got on the list to learn. I mean, yeah. most of the stuff that we do are kind is kind of pre the rising album. Sure, so like sure. all the classic hits, like um, I don't know, just just stuff that you would want to hear. Right, exactly. Yeah. Gig. You know, like if you had a greatest hits album, yeah, like that's what I wanted. Like that's what we can do basically. But now, but me and my guitarist, we we're the kind of ones that we watch live Bruce gigs like we think about what would work we have conversations um so we're like one of the ones that we've not nailed yet that we really want to do is um Jungle Land like we're dying to do that song okay um and we're like okay so you know and we kind of make plans around that so we're like right we've not done this yet we'll do that but it's the idea is to have a lovely mix of songs, you know, from I want to play stuff that people want to hear, but sure. I also want to do the more we play as a band, the more obscure and stuff I, right. I, I want to do. <laughs> and we get a lot of inspiration from watching Bruce Springsteen gigs and seeing how he does stuff. Like, you know, like there's I love watching the shows with him and Clarence where they're like really playing off each other, you know, really right. having fun on stage. And that's what we did when we did, um, we, we did a uh, fire and there's that video. I can't remember what era it's from when they're just like proper, like messing around and like creeping up on each other and stuff. And like me and Nick, my guitarist were like, right. Yeah we need to do this that like we need to bring this sort of energy like to the stage and so yeah we use a lot of the live gigs as, as inspirations as well so i i was lucky enough to um, there was a um a local dallas i'm in the dallas texas area and they had you know uh thunder road which was their tribute you know the dallas fort worth tribute band and i was lucky enough to go to one of the practices and uh, watch them practice. And then afterwards, I put my recorder in the middle of a table and all of us just kind of visited. And uh, what was funny, Sophie, is almost the same conversation had to them. They're like, yeah, there are certain songs we know people want to hear. So we want to play them. Then as fans, though, we want to throw in like, oh, we we should really learn tougher than the rest or, you know, we should learn, you know, um, you know, waiting on a sunny day. All right. Or they, they'll, they'll talk about songs that they think as a band would work really well, even if that wouldn't be quote unquote on the greatest hit CD. Right. So how do you mix that up? Because the audience is not exclusively necessarily Springsteen, devotees right like yeah like if you said okay if you're a massive if you own more than 10 springsteen cds come to this show you could do a whole different set list than someone who's just you're playing a gig at a bar and uh they're there just to hear a band oh it happens to be a springsteen band oh great i can't wait to hear them do glory days (laughs) so i don't know if there's a question in there but please fill in and just kind of give me your thoughts well we so 
we decided to look at the songs that um, Springsteen covers. Yeah. Basically. So we looked at Proud Mary, which we do. And we looked at Twist and Shout. And we also did Save the Last Dance for me, because, which is great, just because we thought they were really nice songs. And yeah. we've seen him cover them. So we were like, yeah, we'll put those in. Well, because, you know, you talk about that, there is that great video, right, where the, he picks up the sign and the guy's like, it's Mother's Day and I want, you know, you to do a song for my mom. And, you know, Bruce is like, oh, it's got to be a good, oh, we need, you know, and then they do that last dance when he dances. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm sure most people know, but the story is the guy who wrote that was in a wheelchair. And so he wrote that because he saw his wife dancing with so many people, like even at their wedding. And he kind of thought that idea that that's okay because I know she's going to, you know, she's going to be coming home for me and it's okay. So I, I now want to, I, hopefully there's somewhere on YouTube, y'all, you guys doing say the last dance for me so I can go check it out. Cause that I loved, I want to hear that. <laughs> It's a lot of fun to do. We did it at a wedding, actually. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> we say that we did it at a wedding um, last year. And yeah, it was great to learn. But oh, I love doing Proud Mary. Yes. I love doing that song as well. It's just so much fun to do. Like, it's just so high energy. And yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, because it's like you're saying, like, you can do a show and it's just purely you know, Springsteen songs, and that's, like, great. But if you're, you know, when we're doing bar gigs and stuff, we're like, well, we'll mix it up a bit, you know. We'll sure. bring stuff that he covers, so we're still in that remit. But then also we've got a few other bits and bobs to throw in. Like, we do the song that he wrote for Patti Smith. We do Because the Night. And, I, yeah, I love, I just love doing stuff like that. You know, it is fun. So, Sophie, how talk to me about this past 10 year, two years with the the absolutely crap years we've had with the pandemic and and all the political strife there in uh, the UK and here in the US. So, you know, uh, did that fuel any of your poetry and talk to me like were you guys just dying to get back on stage? Was there that itch to perform live? It was really weird because we did a Bruce Springsteen gig and then the week after we were all in lockdown. So that was the last gig that I did um, at a community centre in Derbyshire and it was really fun. But yeah, we gigs are my life, right? So yeah. that's my whole life, like poetry gigs, watching bands and... Um, you know, performing in the Bruce band. And when lockdown hit, it was like someone had cut off my limbs, you know, like it was like so weird. And there was so much space. And, you know, I mean, like I'm not um, complaining because I feel very, very lucky um, to be in good health and to have lovely friends and family and I mean my situation wasn't awful I lost all my work in three days because I'm freelancer Mm -hmm. and that was really hard um because I lost a year's worth of work through COVID and that was really scary um luckily Zoom Zoom saved my career (laughs) so yeah uh without Zoom I probably wouldn't still have a job so, so I, I want you to finish that thought, but I, I just wanted to, there, there is not a lot that has come, that is good, that has come out of COVID, but on a pure small ray of sunshine, um, I've been doing this podcast six years. And so I used to record via Skype and people were like, Skype, what is Skype? I don't know what Skype is. What do you mean? You know, and there'd be all this confusion. Um, since pandemic, when I go, oh, I'm recording via Zoom, 99% of people go, oh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> so Zoom has become this kind of universal connection between everyone and all cultures, hasn't it? So true. <laughs> like, I've been teaching people on Zoom that I would never normally 
have access to. So I was teaching kids in care, um, really up north in the UK that I wouldn't be able to get to normally. And something that has made me really aware about is like accessibility stuff. So I've been teaching uh, carers and people in care, um, doing poetry workshops with them via Zoom. They would never normally be able to get out to a poetry session um, because they're full-time carers and the people they're with need full-time support. So it's actually made me really aware of what is accessible to people and think about things that I never would have thought of before, which I feel um, really happy that it's highlighted. So it's made me think about approaching things differently, basically, when I think about my own work and think about what people have access to and how more people could have access to things. So I'm really happy about that. Um, that's been a really good thing. But yeah, it's it's been a really crazy year um, for me. So yeah, gigs stopped um, and work stopped for a time until things got rebooked via the power of the internet. Um, and everything was so uncertain. Like, I didn't know if I was going to have to get another job or I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, me and my partner uh, broke up after a 10-year relationship and that happened during the lockdown. We are still very, very good friends and um, I love him dearly. So it wasn't a nasty breakup, but it was just everything kind of changed and flipped on its head and um I should say also he is in the Bruce Springsteen band and uh, it's always helping me like learning bits and bobs and whatever um so just my whole life like just flipped um yeah. but it was also it's also made me really really appreciate um what I do have and my friends and my family and now that we're coming out of it again like um I was actually at a gig last night singing with his band he's in a punk band and uh it was really great that's awesome and, yeah and like I do a track with them and he was like oh will you come and sing with us and stuff I was like yeah it'd be great and it's just so nice to be back out in the world cautiously I might add but it's just made me, this whole experience has just really made me think, right, I need to do stuff now because you just never know what's going to happen. Not that I'm a wait around sort of person. Right. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's made me really appreciate what I've got, basically. You know, when I'm asked by casual fans or friends of mine that will say, well, what's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? And, and I will often, well, the, I always say land of hope and dreams and better days. And then the third changes depending on the day. Um, and to me, better days is about what exactly what you're saying, not waiting for your life to begin, enjoying the here and now, enjoying the journey that you're on now. Like instead of necessarily, oh, well, once this pandemic ends, then I can get back to normal. Well, no where I'm at now is where I'm at. What can I do? What, how can I be creative? Can I use this time to write? Are there, are there things to do? And, and so I, I think that's a really well said because too many people do, in my opinion, keep waiting for, well, I'll do this when the time is right versus just doing it. I can't tell you how many people, Sophie will say, yeah, I've been thinking about doing a podcast, but I'm going to wait till the right time. And I'm like, no, just do it. Just here. Come on. I'll, join me on and we'll do a pilot episode of what you want to do. And we'll do that. Let's get you started. So thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. Um, I think you're totally right. I'm just, yeah, I feel like if you want to do stuff, you should, you should do it. Like, you know, yeah. And I meet so many people, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally, I'm going to write, I'm going to write. And I'm like, yeah. we'll just write. And they're like, no, this needs to be right. Or I need this or yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I just think like, oh my gosh, like I got told that I was 
never going to be able to write and it was just something that was in me and I felt I should do it's like um this year I'm gonna walk a trail in Scotland um that I've wanted to do for ages and obviously because of the pandemic and stuff like we've not had a lot of movement so I'm right. like no, I'm, I'm gonna do it this year with my friend um with my friends Louise and Simon and okay. I was like I'm gonna do it I was like we're gonna walk it and that's it and I says to them I said right I said guys I don't mind if you don't want to come but I'm going and I will go on my own <laughs> yes exactly right and they were like no no we'll come with you but it's the same for gigs I don't wait for someone to go to a gig yeah I just go I'm just like I'm going to this gig uh come with me if you want if you don't that's fine and that's always been my attitude towards life I'm always like well I'm gonna do it uh whether you want to do it or not (laughs) I'm not gonna wait around for someone to tell me if I can do something or not and same with the band. Like when we started, I was like, never sung before in my life, but this is my goal. I'm going to do it. And, and that was it. And it happened, you know. Someone sure. said to me, um, oh, one of my students actually, and I think this must be an old quote, but they said, uh, the man who says he can't and the man who says he can are both right. And I think that's really poignant. I've never heard that before, but I think that's, it's well said. I think you're really well said. Um, what's involved in a poetry workshop? You've mentioned that a couple of times doing workshops and now so you have a big smile on your face. What's involved in a poetry workshop? Writing. Yes. <laughs> no. Is that it? No. Um, basic. It can be all sorts of things. Like you can go and get a bunch of prompts you could do a workshop on form and learn how to write in a specific form. Um, I take loads of classes. So sometimes I'll take a course and we'll do st- some stuff on form and then imagery and then like literary devices, or I might do a workshop on performance, or we might use example poems and analyze the poem and see what they do and be like, right, I'd like you to write a poem from a different point of view or this or that. A poetry workshop is about play. I think people don't, some of the best writing comes from when you feel free, you know? You need to feel free to write and feel not judged. And when we write, a lot of the time, we self-edit as we go along. So we never allow ourselves to truly feel free or to play or, you know, like just to write for the sake of writing and because we always have like an end goal in mind. This will be this, this will be that. This is going to be a poem. This is going to be a short story. This is going to be a song. When, if you just go like, okay, this could just be nothing. I'm just going to like mess about. Sometimes we get the best stuff come out of that. And I think as adults, we don't really allow ourselves to do that. So that's uh, something that I really like to encourage with writers. I'm like, hey, don't always have to be like super productive you can just write for the sake of it and enjoy it and I think yeah when we feel free um and comfortable I think that's when we surprise ourselves the most as writers you know and get the best results so that's what I try and encourage so I've had I've had a lot of different guests on the podcast and and I'll have people that are passionate i'll give you an example i had a passionate who fan on i've had a passionate you know uh i a bg's fan i've had other you know people that gang of youth fan on and i will say at the end i'll say you know this is a blind spot in my pop culture and they'll say oh well here let me send you here's a sample of things you can test. I am a, I am a, I have always been a major reader. I, I, I always have um, started out with comic books and, and quickly went into finding science fiction and fantasy and, and, you know, the library was my favorite place growing up, but I've never explored poetry. It is a, it is a, a blind eye in my thing. So 
where's a good place to start for me? Like if, if, if you're like, oh, Jesse, you, you're missing so much joy. If you love to read, you know, wh- what's a good place to start? Obviously, besides your book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those, oh, there's so many amazing writers, like contemporary poets. Um, yeah. So there is an anthology um, by a publisher called Blood Axe, which is UK based. Okay. And the anthology is called Staying Alive. Okay. And that has got a massive, massive wide range of poetry in. Okay. Um, and it's really lovely. Like, I mean, it's accessible. Like, it's worth checking out. Um, okay. So that's what I would say and see what you can find in there. Um, oh gosh, I could, I could spend hours listing you poets that I like, but I feel like so poetry is like music yes different genres you're not gonna like every one but that doesn't mean that you won't like all of it you know yeah some poetry is meant for the stage and performance some poetry is meant very much for the page some poetry you have to it doesn't give you all the answers you have to sit with it and think about it and ask it questions some poetry is very obvious and it knows what it wants to say and it will just tell you straight away um and you've you know you've got to find out what's the right thing for you some is very sparse some is very very detailed you know there's so much there's so much poetry but I would I would recommend starting with that anthology because it gives you a nice kind of broad range of stuff and then you can read stuff and if you like it you can be like I'm going to find some more of that. So um, I will definitely go check that out. And uh, I will, and and if you think of things, um, email me and say, hey, Jesse, as I think of these things, and what I do is I'd love to have you come back and we kind of talk about this from that perspective as someone, you know, exploring this. Um, That was fascinating. I I appreciate that so much. All right. Getting back to Bruce. Hopefully he's going to tour. Um, are there songs that you would real that's on your wish list? If you're bringing in your little check card, bingo card to go, oh, you know, I want these. Are there songs that are on your wish list that you're hoping to hear? Too many songs, Jesse. Too yeah. many songs. Um, okay, I love to hear. Oh my gosh, where do I even start? Okay, this will probably never happen, but um, Something in the Night, that okay. would be amazing. Darkness on the Edge of Town would be amazing. Reason to Believe would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, so okay. many. And like, I don't know, like, I love, like, I know some fans say to me, oh, well, they say, oh, the river's got loads of filler on it and it's mm-hmm. a really long album. But I love all those songs that people yeah. think are filler. I think they're amazing. So I'm I would love to hear some of those songs. Like if he played like Cadillac Ranch or something, like, I'd be like so happy with that. Yes. Um, I'd be totally involved with that. I'd be like, yes. Um, oh, so many songs that I would love to hear. I, I would love to just sit him down and be like, okay, just start at like the first album. And yeah. Just go. And just, yes, here. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll take breaks. I'll take breaks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I'm an album person. Yes. So I really like albums, like from start to finish. I know some people are like, oh, I like, they like tracks and whatever. And they have their set tracks that, that they yeah. love. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Also, 10th Avenue Freeze Out and uh, Night as well. And Thunder Road. Oh, no, there's too many. There's too many. Too Sorry. many. I understand. <laughs> uh, what What were your thoughts of Letter to You and Western Stars? I, I really like Western Stars. Yeah. I like both, actually. I think Letters to You um, was really great, like, as a... But I really like, I like the vibe of Western Stars. I know it was very, like, it was very different. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, I'm not sure. Or, like, yeah. it's, it's, like, this fading, like, Western guy, like, or whatever. But 
I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a bit off center and I quite like that. And it kind of, to me, that album just reminds me of the summer of lockdown because that's yes. all I listen to. Basically. Yes. So it's a very set time in my mind where there wasn't a lot to do and I just needed some comfort. So I just played that album and listened to that um, character basically and just imagined what this guy's life was like. Um, yeah, I really, I rinsed that album. And uh, yeah, I thought Let's You was also amazing. And I thought it was mm-hmm. a really good, strong yeah. album. Um, and that was more, I suppose that was more going back to the, 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 I don't know, Bruce vibe. Um, and I loved how, because he had like, wasn't there like two songs on there, which he wrote like years and years ago? Yes, there like, were. Yeah. They were so great. I thought those songs were amazing. Um, Do, what's next for you? What, what are you, what's next for you? What are you planning to do both creatively? You know, what's next on your journey? I am looking to get out gigging again um, for the Bruce Band and for me as a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really lovely. Where I live, I've taken over as co-director as the Poetry Festival. So okay. I'm organising that. And I want to write more, basically. Okay. <laughs> like I'm, I want to write a new poetry collection. Um, I'm not giving up on the prose Okay, but, uh, I'm I'm back to the uh, the starting board again. So yeah. Well, and right that you hear that a lot from writers who talk about, you know, that you write it and write it, um, and keep trying. Um, so yeah, keep it up, keep it up. I I, I know you're going to do there, um, Sophia. Sophie, what have I asked? I keep wanting to go, Sophia. Sophie. What, what do you, what have I asked? What have I not asked you that I should have? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Okay. You you should have. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'll tell you, well, okay. I'll tell you a thing that might relate to this podcast. I'm really into fandom. I'm really fandom really excites me I love to see what people do with fandom and how communities are built and what people make out of it so and that's why I think it's one of the reasons why I love being in a tribute band because I love meeting like super Bruce fans and I mean I'm a massive Trekkie also like I love Star Trek okay yeah I love Star Trek what's your favorite series Deep Space Nine yeah is that is that controversial no 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 well i think i think a lot of obviously the original started it all and next generation gave us i mean you know i remember you know i grew up on the original and then when you saw the next generation you're like oh my goodness i can't believe they're treating this as serious but d space nine was the first time where i always said i wanted I wanted Hill Street Blues in space. You know, I wanted, because Hill Street Blues, the characters changed and it was messy and there was a lot of drama and and the characters one year to next would be different. And um, the, un, the, the reality of most network TV back then was you you reset. At the end of every episode, you know, you uh, you push the easy reset button and everything's the same. And D Space Nine didn't do that. D Space Nine, you did change and you did learn. So yeah, it's it's one of my favorites too. Absolutely. Oh, I'm really glad because yeah, I love Deep Space Nine and I love watching the characters develop and I love how everything's not black and white in it you know you've got really interesting storylines and who's right and who's wrong and it's not like good versus bad I mean I I love classic Trek as well yeah I really enjoy it like I think it's great like I've got all the 
you know, all the old uh, series of the original series on DVD. Yeah. And I think that's got its place as well. You know, paved the way for a lot of things. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, I love Star Trek. So there you go. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Um, I thank you again for delaying talking to me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to end with uh, this should feel right at home with you. Uh, Jay Armstrong is a retired English teacher. He has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living. But when he was teaching, he would spend uh, his honors English class. He would do a lot of talk about prose and poetry, but they would take Thunder Road and over two days, they would break it apart. They would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the themes that Bruce is exploring. They would use the imagery. Uh, he would compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, and other great poems. And at the end of the two days, as you were talking about, sometimes you got to think on a poem, right? Um, he would ask his class the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Sophie, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? She totally gets in the car. Tell me why. Why do you think that? Why? Because it's the dream. <laughs> because it's the dream. She totally gets in the car. I'm sorry, but if Bruce Springsteen pulled up in a car and opened the door and was like, let's blow this town, baby, you'd be like, hell yes, I'm getting in that car. And that's it. And she doesn't look back. I love that. I love that answer. Uh, Sophie, if someone wants to reach you, if they want to hear more about the band, if they want to check out more of your work, what's the best way to reach you? Um, well, I'm on that there social media and yes. it's just my name. So it's just Sophie Sparham. So okay. on Instagram, it's just Sophie.Sparham. On Twitter, okay. it's at Sophie Sparham. Same for Facebook. Really, okay. really simple, basically. Okay. Any final thoughts you want to share? Um, I think you are wonderful. And uh, yes, love to all the Bruce fans out there. And also, I think we should all collectively hope for a tour very soon. And yes. hopefully enough people wish it, it will happen. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you build it, they will come, as they talked about. Yes, they do. I think, I think he wants to tour as much as he is ready to perform as much as we're ready to hear him, but I absolutely agree. Uh, Sophie, I, I promise, um, my hope is that one day I will get to the UK and get to attend a tour. Um, if, if your journeys brings you to Dallas, Texas, please, please let me know. And we will find a good tea place here in Dallas and we will share tea and we will share stories. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you up. I, I have uh, I went to Amazon. I've added um, the Staying Alive anthology uh, into my cart, and I'm going to pick it up and uh, I'm going to explore it. And in a couple of months, you may be getting email from me going, "Hey, do you want to come talk poetry?" So look for that email, okay? I would be more than happy to talk poetry with you anytime. That Thank sounds you. amazing. And you are very, very welcome in the UK. Should you come over, okay. you will have a space to crash should you need it. That is good to know. Listeners, you go get vaccinated, go get boosted. Uh, let's all be kind to each other as we're recording this. The 1st of March, it's some scary times out there. Uh, there is a lot going on around the world. So let's be kind to each other because really that's the only way to get through this. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you very much. I want and need your feedback. You can reach me multiple ways to tell me what you like or don't like about the show. You can reach out to give me guest suggestions or maybe to join me on the podcast yourself. We're on Twitter at SetLustingBruce or at Jesse Jackson DFW. I have an Instagram, SetLustingBruce or Jesse Jackson DFW. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash SetLustingBruce. Go to patreon.com slash SetLustingBruce 
to find out how you can support the show. And we have several tiers of support. Please go to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe. And tell a friend about the podcast because that is the way we're going to grow. If you're not tired of hearing me speak, you can hear me on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, where Charles Skaggs and I talk all things Doctor Who. The How Many podcast, where me and my friends Gary, Scott, Bob, and Jr. talk pop culture. And finally, my newest podcast, The Last Best Hope for Conversation, a Babylon 5 podcast, where Karen, Lou, and I are going through the TV show Babylon 5 one episode at a time. I am always looking for guests, so please reach out to me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.